Welcome back to the Flatiron Syndicate and Motorsports Podcast. This is going to be episode 93, as you're hearing it. Uh, and as I'm recording this, last week was Alpine Horizon down in Colorado Springs. And uh, Dussex and Tossa were down there. They did a whole bunch of stuff. And it's been a little bit crazy in the last couple of weeks. We have not had a chance to sit down and record anything. And I didn't want to skip a week. So I went back and I looked. And uh, when we had Drew and Larry from Race Comp Engineering on the podcast, we had a really good conversation, but it ran long. And episode number 87 with those guys, that was basically just the first hour. And there's about another 45 minutes after that where we talk about compression valving and autocross and have a really good uh, second half of the conversation that I didn't put out at that time. So that's what you're going to hear today. That's episode nine, number 93. Um, really good conversation with those guys. It's always fun uh, to sit down and, and talk suspension with, with the guys from RaceComp. So it's a really good conversation. I hope you enjoy it. Um, if you've been following Tasso on social media, uh, you know that he did have an accident. He rolled his car at Grid Life, and he's doing okay. Uh, he does have an, a concussion, but he's recovering, and we're going to get him back on when he's feeling up to it. Uh, and we're, we're going to talk about everything that happened. There's a lot to discuss there. It's a, it a pretty fun thing, but um, yeah, it, uh, it had its ups and its downs, and, and we'll, we're going to go over it, so um, you know, stay tuned for that. And as you're listening to this podcast, I'm going to give you a, a little spoiler for the next episode. The other cool thing that happened last week, Tony Barber from Turning Concepts got into town early and called up and asked if he want, or we would want him to bring by his race cars. And so absolutely, well, we said yes. And so we sat down with Tony uh, in the shop last week, and we recorded a video with him talking about Mike Omic's race car and the Tesla that, that Tony was racing as well in street class. Had two really good conversations. Those are going to go up as individual videos um, by themselves probably next week or the week after. But episode number 94 of the podcast, that's going to be both of those conversations with Tony uh, put together because it's lots of really good stuff in there. I think you're going to enjoy it. Um, so yeah, so a little, little spoiler for what's coming out next week. So thanks very much for listening. Thanks for your support as always. Um, really appreciate it. Like and subscribe to the to the wherever you're listening to the podcast. And if you can leave us a review, that that will go a long way to help the podcast grow, and that'd be awesome. Um, the last thing I'll mention, if you've seen any of our newsletters or anything about our Discord channel, we're getting more and more people in there every day. Lots of good conversations happening there. So uh, if you haven't checked out our Discord channel yet, uh, please do that. And there's links to it in our videos and our recent videos and in our recent newsletter if you saw that. So. Thanks very much again for your support as always, and without any further ado, here is episode number 93, part 2, with uh, Drew and Larry from RaceComp Engineering. So you start out by just kind of having the car settle in a predictable way and feel controlled after hitting the bump. Um, you, you need that. Um, mm -hmm. And then from there, you can kind of tweak things a little bit, a few clicks in, in each direction. Um, but you have to remember... Um, yeah, I, I keep saying this, but you know, shocks are um, velocity dependent. Um, and uh, so if you're trying to tune out mid-corner understeer um, where the car's kind of settled, um, you might not want to look at your, your damper settings first. Um, mm -hmm. But on the other hand, if the car is, is um, pretty good mid-corner, but kind of loose on entry or, or exit or something like that, um, then you might start looking at, at your, your damper settings. Um, and again, it depends, you know, if it's a rebound only shock, um, on, on entry, you know, you might want to look at your rear settings a little bit more, um, on exit, you might want to look at your front settings a little bit more because, you know, your fronts are your rear on an exit, your rear is 
mostly compressing, depending on what part of the exit. I mean, some people break it up even farther, um, but it's kind of identifying the problem, where, where it occurs. And where, then, where in the corner it occurs. Yeah, and, then, right. and think about what the car is doing. Corner entry, yeah. the nose is loading up. Apex, yeah. it's, it should be pretty neutral. Corner exit, it's probably going to be loaded to the rear. Right. So think about the condition that the car is in at the point in the corner where it's not doing what you want to do. And then think about, okay, which would I go to the rear or the front and would I go stiffer or softer to try and correct this behavior that I'm experiencing at that point? Yeah. I think most people, and it's, it's hard for, I guess, like the average person to, who's starting out to, to comprehend these things while they're driving. Right. Yeah. But I think, you know, like we tell most people, like if they're, we have baseline settings for people at the track, but say like other coilovers and stuff, you know, I, like, I think a good, good base ground would be the middle. No, you right. don't want to start, start to start right. the middle. Yep. You don't want to start off all the way low or you don't want to start off all the way high either. Cause that just gets you nowhere. You have no idea how it's too. You're at, you're at an extreme. You, right. you, right. If you're at either end of the extremes, you can only go one direction. And right. so, so you don't know. Yeah. Starting in the middle, you can go either way. And so you have both options equally. And so yep. that, yeah. Middle and, is good. and some people might experience, you know, understeer and stuff like that, oversteer, but then, and then other things come into play, obviously, you know, tire pressures, alignment. Yeah. And once you get all that yeah. sorted, then you can really start looking at, okay, do I need to tighten up my rear sway bar? Do I need to loosen up, tighten up my front? Or do I finally mess with the damper settings? Yeah. That, right. And I think that's, that's really important for, for, if you feel like you need to make a big change, um, that usually means something else is wrong. Um, and, and you kind of go back to the basics, like tire pressures and, and alignment and, and that type right. of thing. So if, if, if the car is like really off, um, you got, you got to take a step back and, and kind of look at the, the, the whole system first and, and start with the, with the, you know, the, the basics first, like right. alignment and, and tire pressures. Well, and, like and, and there's another big one that hasn't been mentioned yet. Driving style. Yeah. <laughs> you, you as the driver this is this is where this is where the black magic gets really nasty is you as the driver have huge control over how these systems are going to behave like and this this is this is where and this is why like you know larry you have your car set up i could get in it and i could hate it drew drew might love it maybe you guys yeah. have really similar body uh driving styles and it works for you i get in there and i'm like this this thing is like a milk truck. I don't know. I don't know what you're doing <laughs> out here. And then I get I change your knobs and I get it set up right. And then you hop it in and you're like, "What'd you do to my car? You just turned my SCI into a milk truck." You know what what is going on here? And it's it's because there's so much difference in, or you have so much control with your driving input to how the suspension is going to behave. Yeah, there's a lot of stories about um, motorsports engineers and one this uh, I think this is the Ford rally team in like the mid 2000s. Um, and this is being told by a driver. Um, and, uh, I think I forget the details, but basically, uh, a new team came in, um, same, same car, um, and basically changed everything, um, went a lot softer, uh, on spring rates, um, softer on, on shocks as well. Um, and the driver telling the story loved it and he was a little bit faster and the other driver on the team hated it and was slower. Yep. Um, yep. and you know, it's, you know, there's these like baseline guidelines and stuff like that. And you can run simulations and, um, optimize things in a certain way. And, and I think you should, I think that's really important, but then the driver needs to be comfortable and confident and this is comfort, awesome. like, like comfort, comfort and confidence is such a big part as a driver for, for getting the car to perform. Yes. And so, and that's, you, you can never discount that and it. I just wanted to, to hit that home because 
you, you have to, if you're putting on a new suspension, you have to go in kind of with a blank slate and you have to just drive the car and experience it and decide for yourself. Like don't, you really, you can get some input certainly. And if you're working with a good suspension manufacturer, some, something like RC, you guys have done a lot of testing and you can probably talk to a guy, you know, like what, one of the things that's always telling it is, you know, with somebody with an STI is all right, my, my, I need, I need suspension. I need to change the suspension because my car doesn't, doesn't work. And you start talking about, okay, well, where doesn't it work? Does it, is it, is the turn in the issue? Are you having issues at exit? Is it, is it everywhere? And that lets you kind of hone in on the driving style of the person. And then you can kind of get a sense for like, okay, you need to try this starting setup versus this starting setup because it's going to, you know, that, that should get you in the ballpark of, 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 more close to what you what you want the car to do within reason. Absolutely, it, it's, there's so no one, miracles here. But one other thing, it's it's kind of minute, but you know what I've seen is that a lot of SCI, mainly SCI drivers like, oh, you know, we I want to get their car to rotate more in the rear. Yeah, and I tell them, you know, you can do that in the stock car. You turn the traction off, and and and, and the car really does rotate well once you have all the aids off. You know, it it, yeah. it really does perform. That you can feel the rear kick out, and you can really when you feel it, you can kick out get back on the gas and let it settle and ride it out. Um, that, you know, you know, traction off suspension, you know, coupled with good suspension, tires, alignment that, I mean, you really accept for a track day. Yeah. Well, and, and then what's, what's ironic is to a certain extent, it might actually be better if the car doesn't rotate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's so what's, what's funny is, well, and, and we haven't even talked about compression here and I want to touch on it. We, we've already taken up an hour of you guys time. So, you know, thank you very much, but we, we've got to keep you a little bit longer. Just, we got to talk about compression yeah, a little yeah. bit, but so with, with, with uh, one of the guys we sponsor Tasso, he's testing out a rally suspension for us on his rally car and he put it on and his initial response was, I don't like it. And, and the reason he said he didn't like it or he wasn't happy with it is because he couldn't get the car to break loose. Hmm. And, and he said he had to be really aggressive with his brake or throttle inputs to get the car to break loose to initiate a slide. And in a rally car, I mean, sliding is that that's how you take a corner. You, you need yeah. to be able to do that. And so he didn't like it initially um, because of that. And, and fortunately, we're talking with an engineer at Cusco about this. And he's like, that's actually a good thing yeah. that in, in your scenario, that's actually a good thing, because what that means is that the car is more stable and you have to really like be aggressive with the brake or the throttle input to get it to break loose. But the car is more stable. So you can actually carry a lot more speed into the corner because you actually have more traction. And then at the, you can get up to the limit of traction at a higher speed, and then you can control the car in that slide. And so he made, made a couple adjustments, went out there and matched his personal best at, at the first race that he ran with it. That's awesome. So it's it's one of these things where like, too, you, even if you think it's bad initially, you almost kind of have to like go for a whole day. Like drive, don't touch any of the knobs, just drive the car for a whole day. Yeah. Pay you attention to the brain, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Pay attention to what you're doing with the car. Drive if it if it's not working the way that you expect. Try a different approach. Try yeah. try try a different brake or throttle input on corner entry or corner exit to see if all of a sudden now there's it's behaving differently because it's it's doing something maybe better that now you can take advantage of that you couldn't before. That that's a, a super interesting topic to me, um, which I'm not great at, but the the driver engineer conversation is is just fascinating to me and and um trying to to interpret what the driver's feeling um and making changes that 
make them comfortable, but also make the car faster and like kind of finding that balance. Um, and, you know, we were talking about people sometimes expect a lot of rebound damping and sometimes too much rebound damping because it kind of feels like what they think it should feel like. Um, but in reality, softer is, is oftentimes faster, but it sometimes does take a little bit of um, brain rewiring to, to be comfortable yeah. in that because um, it sometimes feels a little it moves around a little bit more than people expect. So, yeah, it's, it, it's a balance. And this, this is the black magic. There, there's so many things at play here and, and you can't, you can't discount that because there's no one silver bullet, like, the, you know, just playing, playing around with the suspension dampening. I mean, it, it could be an issue with your sway bars. It could be an issue with your bushings. It could be an issue with your alignment settings. It could be an issue with all of them. Yeah. Plus, plus how you're using the car. And so that's where, it's you've got to narrow down the variables and, and make small changes and get a sense of like, I think one of the key, the key first points is to get to the point where you can make a change and feel the change and know, okay, I'm going in the right direction or the wrong direction. Yeah. Make, right. make one change at a time yeah. and take notes. Yes. yes. And take notes, notes all the time. <laughs> I, I keep, I, I, I keep saying I need to get like a log book of like yeah. the setup the and, and, <laughs> and the, uh, and just the changes that are made and like the conditions of the car. Cause like so many times when you go to an event, it's just, you're, you're in the churn of it and you're just like, yeah. you're, Oh, it's, it's not doing this. So let's, let's change the front brake pads and I'm going to click some of the rear dampeners. And is it better mm-hmm. now? It's better. It, it, okay, just, just drive it. And then you get out, get to the end of the event. And you're like, I cannot remember what I did. Yeah, I did something. Right. <laughs> did I do the like, rear front click shit. Yeah. I don't oh, know. Absolutely. You got to go and back like, and you got to figure it out. Like, yeah. And like jot down, you know, even if it's not that important, just a good practice, like jot down the temperature, jot, jot down, yeah. like mm-hmm. how you were feeling that day. Like I had way too much caffeine and like <laughs> yeah. that might've been impacting what I was feeling and, and, you know, or I was up all night yeah. and I felt like crap. And so then the car felt like crap, but maybe it was me and, you right. know, take all sorts of notes. You don't think you need, um, yeah. they important. Paint, paint that picture so you can get yourself back in that mindset of, of where, where you were at in the car and what the car was doing. And, and hopefully you can kind of suss out, what, where you want to look at what, yeah. what might've been causing that issue. Um, just, just really quick back to the, making the click adjustments. Would you say that initially, like you're starting in the middle, if you're going to make an adjustment, would you want to go like, say four or five clicks in one direction, make a bigger change so you can feel like, okay, is this the right direction or the wrong direction? And then just try and narrow in on what the optimal it, setting would be for you. I'd say it, it depends on, on the shock. Um, you know, if, if you have one of those shocks that has like 32 clicks, then you should probably make like four or five. Um, if you have a shock that has 20, make three clicks mm-hmm. at a time. Um, right. Cause those small, those clicks are going to have more of an effect. Right? Yeah. In theory. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, it also depends on the shock. Like I was talking about that, that one very popular brand that um, had that massive range of adjustment. I don't know how many right. clicks it has, but um, the range is so big that, um, the clicks do make a big, uh, change, mm-hmm. but then also they also make for that specific shock, since it's mostly low speed bleed, uh, adjustment, uh, the, the clicks aren't quite even. Mm-hmm. Um, so on the stiffer end, each click makes a massive difference. Uh, and then on the lower, on the softer end, each click doesn't make that big of a difference. Um, and you know, that, that's true of, of a lot of shocks. Um, but when there's that wide, super wide range of adjustment, um, it's going to be much more noticeable. Um, 
And then, you know, there's some shocks out there that have like six clicks or eight clicks. Right. Um, and that's not, that's not a bad thing. Uh, just something to keep in mind. And in that case, yeah. you might make one or two clicks. Just and, one. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe as a general rule, 10% of your overall click range, like start in the middle. If you've got 30, make an initial change of three. If you've got 20, make an initial change of two, yep. in whichever direction, drive the car a, a decent amount to try it. You try and get to the point where you can feel the difference or not. And if maybe if you can't feel the difference, maybe, maybe go that extra 10% of adjustment in that same direction until you can feel what it is. Um, yeah, and and if you get towards, towards either end, like uh, proceed with caution. Right. It might be time for a, for a different shock or a rebound right. or something. Uh, okay. Or a spring rate change too. So Sure. Sure. So, so let's talk about compression valving just because we haven't even touched on that. And that's, a, that's <laughs> yeah. a big part of it. And, and just maybe to say what it is and that again, like with, a higher quality coilover, the advantage in, in having a, working with a company that has done a lot more R&D is they have spent a lot of time figuring out what this compression dampening should be or the range that it should be. And that's not something that you necessarily want to tinker with as much, but maybe just talk a little bit about what, what that is or, or, or the way to think about compression damping. Yeah, so I, I guess there's um, something we've noticed uh, over the years uh, is there's like a, a couple of different schools of thought on compression damping. Um, especially in like the 2000s, I guess, when like the Subaru suspension aftermarket, at least the, the, the US Subaru suspension aftermarket um, was kind of getting going. Um, a lot of the, the Japanese shocks were like the only choice uh, or almost the only choice. Yeah. Um, and a lot of those were uh, very rebound biased. So they had a lot more rebound mm -hmm. than they had compression. Um, and uh, that was just kind of the philosophy from those shots. It still is to some extent. Um, things have changed a bit, but, um, and then kind of the, the Germans, <laughs> the Germans came uh, mm -hmm. and uh, it was a little bit different. They um, still weren't quite like, compression bias, but they had more compression, more compression, uh, than the Japanese shocks. Um, and, uh, and then also the, the Dutch came, um, <laughs> and yeah. the idea there is kind of, well, with some gas pressure, um, you get, uh, what some people call like platform. Um, and that kind of helps keep the car kind of flat on, on in transitions and, and uh, entry and exit and stuff. And uh, as opposed to that initial, like take a set type of thing um, where the car kind of rolls and, and sets, um, this can kind of delay that and kind of give a more, not, not gentle, but more um, um, uh, slow that down um, and give you a car that kind of feels kind of like it's, it's, got a, and a the word platform comes up it's kind of has a a um kind of more set status i guess um, it feels like the car is like level yeah more initially because you're using more it, it, actually like what i'm realizing now is my bike pump analogy that's that's relevant to compression dampening not rebound dampening yeah exactly and so like the more the more aggressive valve you have like the harder it is to push that bike pump down. And so yep. like the more level the car is going to feel, the downside of that is it also means that the suspension is less able to absorb, absorb yeah. impacts. And so then the question there, and, and this is, this is where I think it gets complicated and why, like when I, when I got my new set of suspension, 
I, I got one ways because like I don't want to go down the road of, of a three-way <laughs> adjustable coilover yet because there's a lot of fine adjustment there. And and yeah. you can get yourself into the weeds really fast because mm-hmm. you have you have a, a spring that is that is absorbing that impact. How much of that absorption do you want to be done by the spring versus the damper? Do you want the damper to just ride along as the spring compresses, which is kind of like what you're talking about with the Japanese dampers. So the spring is doing all of the energy absorption or the majority of it. And then you're, you're getting the characteristics by adjusting the rebound of that spring. Right. Or do you now want to intervene in how that spring is compressed with the valving? Yeah. So um, there's there, you know, just like there's rules of thumb for um, everything uh, there's, you know, one for, um, how much compression damping you want. I mean, there's like textbook examples of like um, how much rebound damping, maybe 70% critically damped and then um, compression damping, maybe 50 or 60% critically damped. Um, and of course that varies by who's doing it and, and application and all that stuff. So you know, there's, there's kind of rules of thumbs and guidelines and stuff like that, but um, the different kind of tuning philosophies are part of that. Um, the Japanese, uh, dampers, coilovers would have stiffer springs too, in addition to the softer yep. compression, um, to kind of, uh, have that support. Um, whereas the, the European shocks would maybe have slightly softer springs, um, and more compression damping to kind of, to get support that way. Um, and then maybe a little bit more roll or maybe they're running stiffer sway bars or, you know, and of course, examples of this all over the place where, you know, that, go against that. There's Bill Steen's out there for like the, the BRZ um, or the, the Toyota G- GT86 um, series in, in Europe where they had like 14K springs or something like that. Um, so, you know, always exceptions, but um, yeah. And and so this is where, you know, if you run a lot of compression damping, um, it's, in my opinion, much more important to have digressive damping on the, on the compression side. Um, so you, you can kind of soften those larger impacts. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Whereas with rebound, um, you know, you're, you're not dealing with that initial impact. It's the extension after the impact. So um, you can absolutely get away with a, a good linear curve on, on, a, on the rebound side. Um, still nice to have some, some digression too. So um, and would you say just, just kind of to the point that you just made, Drew, that a two-way adjustable, sorry, when you have a three-way adjustable coilover, so you have fast compression, slow compression, and then rebound. Right. Yep. The, the two-way adjustment on the compression side is basically giving you a control over how digressive the valving is. Because you're, you're controlling the slow compression and the fast compression separately, which is effectively what a digressive compression valving is doing. Yeah, so um, yeah, I talked a little bit about how, you know, um, with a single adjustable, you have to be, it helps to know if it's adjusting bleed or, or low speed or um, uh, preload, I guess, uh, which would affect like kind of the whole range. Um, but with a, th- with a three-way where you have separate adjustments for, for low and, and high speed mm-hmm. compression, um, your low speed is, is that bleed. So you can actually like make it um, really soft and it, it'll be a little bit progressive at first. Um, and then your high speed will be kind of everything after that, after the knee. Um, but there, there will still be a knee and it will, depending on the shock, if it's, um, it, it can still digress after that progressive beginning. Um, but, um, it's imp- really important to remember that those two knobs will interact with each other. Um, 
if you have very, very soft low speed, um, uh, your range of high speed will be smaller. Right. Um, like you need that base first to even get to the top. Right? Yeah. So, so right. without any base there, you're, anything up high is going to be not useless, but not up to its potential. Right. <laughs> the range is, is less. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you, you know, if you crank up the low speed damping, your high speed knob is going to have a big effect um, on, on what happens after that. Um, so the, it's important to, to like say, okay, 16 clicks of, of high speed works. Let's see what low speed does now. You're going to have to come mm-hmm. back. Once you set that, you got to come back and um, look at things. So 16 always, clicks. Always adjust both of them. Like once, once you make a big change on one or a change on one, you've got to reevaluate the other. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you can kind of control a little bit how the digressiveness of the compression side works um, uh, and, and whether it's um, kind of like a more gentle progressive start um, or a sharp edged plateau right. <laughs> um, or not. Um, so, yeah. And, and again here that we're talking about compression, but you've got to factor in the spring too. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think, I think where um, maybe this is an overgeneralization, but I think where people get into trouble is they think, okay, like if, if you have a coilover that has maybe two-way adjustments, so you have rebound and compression, maybe it's just general compression, maybe it's only, but with, if it's just one way on compression, is it usually a mix of high speed and low speed, or is it usually one or the other? It depends. Um, frequently, it's, it's, low, it's low speed okay. uh, only, um, and the high speed will be kind of set, um, but it can be done both ways. Sure, but it's, you've, you're working with the spring too, yeah. And so like, okay, well, I'm going to have a really soft spring rate. I'm just going to have really aggressive valving for the compression. And that's where all my stiffness is going to be in. But that's like, there's, there's some people that do that, but like you, again, you can get yourself in trouble there because, and I think the biggest thing to keep in mind is that a spring can respond really fast, right. but the valving cannot respond fast. And the stiffer you go with the valving, especially on compression, the slower the spring can respond. And so like, that's where you can make the front end say so can get hoppy. Uh, like yeah. You're, you're, you're hitting the brakes and, and just the suspension can't move because there's just too much uh, compression valving. And it's just, it can't, the tire can't stay in contact with the road. You start to feel a hole. It's just, it, it gets messy quickly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, there's, there's kind of advantages and disadvantages to, to that mindset. Um, and you know, thinking about compression damping as like a dynamic spring, um, it's it's not always bad, uh, but if you take it too far, it it, it is. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And, and it's go ahead, go ahead, Larry. You know, I was I was saying, you know, dev, you know, depending on what levels of motorsports and stuff, right? Like like like, like you say, like a spring suspension coilovers, it's all looked at as like a package, right? Yeah. Like same way right. you do like HB, like first stage, you know, your brakes everything's the safety, the safety features, like harness seats. It's, it's all a package, right? You want to do all that together and take into consideration and not do things one at a time. Yeah. So like, you know, yeah. similar, you know, it's like Zachary saying, you know, you want to take in uh, account what, what spring you're using, match that up with the, the dampening. And, you know, you don't want to rely overly on just the damper itself. Yeah. So, right. And then of course the, uh, exception to a lot of rules is stock class autocrossing <laughs> sure, <laughs> where sure. heavily restricted yeah. by like classing and stuff like that. Sometimes doing the things you're not supposed to do, uh, will, will make you faster. Um, yeah. in that specific environment. Um, 
So yeah. Well, and and you know what? Let's talk about autocross for a second because there's another gotcha out there, which is I think called autocross <laughs> because it is it is a unique environment, but people lose track of the fact that it's a unique environment, Absolutely. and 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 like, like exactly to what your point is, Drew. There's a really strict rule set, you know, because yeah. it, you, there's it's you, you have a big wide variety of cars that are trying to compete. They've got a lot of different classes. There's a lot of things that you can do, a lot of things that you can't do. There, there's a lot of the lower level classes have a lot of really strict rule sets that don't let you touch anything. And so then people are like, well, I, I, I can't put in a, a coilover suspension. I can't even put in a, a, a strut that has adjustable valving. What are some of the other options that I have that, that I can do within the rules to get me close to this behavior that I want? Yeah. And so then that's where they go outside the box and do these things. Um, you know, like say you, you take the strut off and you revalve it to be very aggressive compression valving because it has to be a stock spring. Well, okay, well now I'm going to, I'm going to use my, my compression damping to sure up or to stiffen up that effective spring rate, yeah. which, and it works in the autocross environment because for one, it's low speed right. and it's very tight. And for two, really, I think, would you agree that there's, there's a lot of advantages in having a car that's unstable? Because, uh, yeah. because it needs to rotate. It's so tight and low speed. You've got to get the car to move to get around the corners fast. But, you know, you start breaking the rules and you're building a car for that environment. Then you go out to, say, something like a really high speed track like Circuit of the Americas. You've got a car that's like on the fringes of some of these like guidelines of what, what you should do. And it's basically unstable so that you can get around this autocross fast. And now you're going at high speed around long sweeping corners. The last thing that you want is a car that's unstable. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, um, the, there's like a, there's a big focus on transitions too. And, and I mean, some autocross courses are just like transition after transition slums, you know, and and they're big transitions. Like yeah. It's like a big sliding corner into another big sliding corner. I mean, you're like, you're trying to do Scandinavian flicks and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, there's not many tracks where you're just like slaloming for uh, right. five seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, so you might do things that you wouldn't otherwise do because, you know, you don't have to worry about the compromise that, that setting up a car for that makes. Um, um, and that's okay. I mean, that's, it, it's actually really fun. Um, but uh, it's a different, an ideal setup for autocross is not necessarily an ideal setup for the track. Um, and you know, there's also different driving styles there too. So, uh, individual driving styles. Yeah. And that's not to discount autocross in it to a certain extent. What, what can, I think what can be the appeal of autocross one is just, it's, it's a, it's a level of competition that is, that is somewhat easy to get into and in, in you're competing. But yeah. two, it's like it's having to think outside the box in this strict rule set. Like it, it's like a strict rule set actually breeds creativity to yeah. a certain extent. And and like just the, the type of car control that you develop and that you use in autocross, I mean that's that's a that's a fun set of driving skill to to use and, and to develop. But it's yeah. just it, you have to have a clear picture of of what's going on, the decisions that you're making and and where those skills are applicable and where those skills are, are less applicable. Yeah. Right. Right. And it, it's something we have to think about when we're, when we're developing a suspension is, you know, we, um, our, our, our coilovers, especially our, our, you know, there's some tuning and, and, and damper adjustments that you can make. Um, but we kind of have to a 
build a, a coilover that um, a variety of different people will be comfortable in. Um, new drivers, people who will be their first time on track um, or their fifth time on track, or they've been tracking for 10 years and they're actually really, really good drivers. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we, we don't want to build a strictly autocross only focused suspension for pro drivers. Um, we can build custom stuff and that's great, but, um, we do have to keep in mind, like different drivers have different experience and, um, want different things. Um, so it's, uh, it's, it's nice to be able to have something that has like some flexibility. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and again, like this, this is another level of this black magic of suspension is that like you, you have a really unique environment that you're applying, that you're using the car in, yeah. you're probably going to need a more unique setup of the car. Yeah. And like, like, again, like the, the rally suspension that we're working on. I mean, it's like, that's that it, it's great in rally. It would probably be okay in rally cross, you know, right. but again, like all of a sudden he doesn't have, it's not as easy to get the car to rotate, which is good for high speed hill climbs, but maybe that's, Maybe that's exactly what we're talking about. Now, this is not going to be as good for autocross because the car is more stable, which has benefits in hill climbs, but it's not, it's too stable for a rally cross scenario because it's, you know, the, the yeah. low speed stuff just wants to easily kick it out. That's going to be a little bit, a little bit different, a little bit more challenging. Yeah, absolutely. Very yeah. cool. Well, we're coming up almost on an hour and a half. So I don't want to keep you guys for too much longer because we've all got work to do at this point, but <laughs> Is it, are there any other key things that we should at least mention or touch on in this in this topic range just before we kind of wind it all down? I guess I just say that like um, the you know dampers we, we talk about them being like magic and, and complicated. Um, there is some math that you can do um, or calculators or spreadsheets and stuff that will get you really close with some with some basic measurements um, like the motion ratio and, and spring rates and um, corner weights and stuff like that. So it's not impossible. Um, and, but even still, if, if you know, you're, you want to learn more about suspension. Um, <laughs> I think I said this in the first, the first episode that I was on with you guys, Facebook is not the place. <laughs> right. right. I see a ton of misinformation about suspension when there are, there are actual books out there that, you can read um, that. And some of them are like um, written at a level that is like not, you know, they're not textbooks and stuff like that. Um, th- I mean, there is some good information out there too, but um, if you want to get in the basics, it's um, it is approachable. I don't know anything about turbochargers. If I was going to buy a turbo, I would probably not even bother learning that much. I'd learn the basics and then I'd talk to Larry and, and Larry would tell me what to do. This is where, this is where, again, a, a, a company that does a lot of R and D in development is, is beneficial to have a conversation with yeah. a company that has a lot of experience. There's, there's, there's a value in having a conversation with them because they're going to be able to take in everything that you're doing and hopefully get you in the right spot or, or closer to the right spot for what you need. And then add on top, you know, it's, it's hard because suspension is one of those things that like, you know, you, you can read a whole bunch of reviews on. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you know, everybody's different. Like you're saying, your driving style, you might like something that I might not like. Um, but, you know, and that's the great thing about the motorsports community that people are welcoming. You know, if, if you yeah. talk to someone who has your same car, oh, you know, what's this, you talk to them, what suspension are you running, any mods? 
oh, do you think maybe I can get a ride along with you? Ride along, yeah. you know that that's that's one of the best ways. And even in our you know our local you know uh, uh, super group over here, you know we used to meet up every Thursdays, and you yeah. know we we would throw keys to each other. And, you know, here drive it around. You know, see what you yeah. think. And I think it's that's really, really the best way. You, you find somebody um, who has the suspension that you're looking at, or your your browse around is one of the options. You know, ask for a ride along. Yeah, you know, it doesn't hurt. Yeah. Or even, even the type, like okay, this is this is a this is a one way, this is a three way, this is a twin tube, this is a mono tube, like something that's in the ballpark of what you're looking at. Get a ride along in the car and, and yeah, see see what you think. Yeah, and, and, and I think what, what Larry was saying before about the stock STI suspension, um, it's not bad. I mean, it's not right. perfect. Uh, same with BRZ, it's not bad. It's not perfect, but um, get comfortable with that. I mean. We sell coilovers, but you don't need coilovers to to go faster if you're a new driver. I mean, your, your priority driver mod, right? Yeah, That's right. Mean, it's always first, yep. right? Like, yeah. yep. <laughs> exactly. my, my favorite um, my favorite type of customer is the one that like they buy like brake pads, and then you don't hear from them for a year, and then mm -hmm. they call you up and they're like, "Hey, I did 15 track days last year, and uh, I think I'm ready for some springs." Like, oh cool. Okay. And then you don't hear from them for a year. And like, I did another 15 track days. And like, this, these were their first yeah. time with a, with a track car and like, okay, I'm ready for coil. I was like, Oh, cool. All right. This is like, great. Um, and then they do another 15 track days. And, and after three years, they're fast as hell. And it's because yeah. they did a progression. They like focused on the basics and, and, you know, they, they level up. And um, if you jump right into to three ways, it's going to be tough. It's going to be really, really tough to, to be comfortable with a car. There's a lot of buttons to push and knobs to turn and um, it, it, focusing on driving uh, will, will get you faster if that's your goal. Yeah. I mean, being at a level with as a driver that you can actually feel the difference that you're making is so important because yeah. if you're, if you, I just bought a BRZ, I'm going to turn it into a race car. And I'm going to go, um, this is the big brake kit I'm going to buy. Here's the, the $6,000 coilers I'm going to buy. And you put it all in the car, big wheels and tires. You go out there and you're like, I don't know if this is good or not. Yeah. And, and you're like, all of a sudden you're like, well, I'm 15 seconds slower than everybody else that's got a similar car. Yeah. Why do I, I guess I need a supercharger. <laughs> no, no, you need to drive your car more and you need to try and get, make sure that all these things are actually working and working together and like make some, make some adjustments and see if you can feel what that adjustment does. It's like, you, you've got to get to that point where you can feel the changes. Like, can you feel the tires going off? Can you, yeah. you know, cause they're overheated. Can you feel the difference if the tire is underinflated versus overinflated? Mm -hmm. Can you feel the difference between a race, like an R compound slick and a 200, actually like, let's call it a 300 treadwear tire. Yeah. Yeah. Still 300 <laughs> treadwares. Now you know, but, <laughs> but yeah, could you, you know, it's like, a, you know, starting off, I think there's a big advantage in starting out with like, like heck a 300 treadwear all season tire on track, because yeah, you're going to be sliding a lot, which can be fun, but you're going to feel what that is like to break yeah. traction. Okay. And then what does the car do when I start to lose traction? How much control of the car do I have when I break traction? Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of people that think that as soon as the car starts to step out, that's it. Take your hands off the steering wheel, close your eyes, your passenger, it's all over. Like, yep. no, there's actually, there's actually a lot of degrees of control there, depending on what, what is going on. And yeah. you can explore that. And then as you put on a more, a, a tire that has more grip, now, now you know what the limit's going to feel like the speed where you hit that same point is going to be much higher. But then when you get there, you know, 
what the cars you have a decent sense of what the car is going to be like. Yeah. And, and, and I think to preface that, like, uh, sorry, continue. Was, no, no, go ahead. Oh, no, I was saying, you know, like just like you know, going back to autocross or even before that, you know, people who start in the first track days or like don't know anything about car control, like go karts, best go karts, go karts, oh, yeah. and, and, and autocross because <laughs> the thing about autocross is you get to learn car control that you won't be able to do, you know, at anywhere else, right? You know, besides the track and, or autocross and, and, and tire control and, and right. karting, man. I, I had yeah. I just back to back sessions. The first one, I'm just flying by everyone, and the last lap. The car, I mean, the cart, the cart is just like perfect. It's a little bit understeery, which is weird for a cart. And I'm like, What's, okay, well, whatever. And I'm just, everyone's spinning out in front of me and I'm just flying. And then I, the tire pops in the last lap. Cause that's why oh. it was understeering was because that front right tire <laughs> had been, it was just destroyed. Um, and I got pushed back to the pits and my lap time was slower than like half the people, even though I lapped everyone like three times. Like, oh, that's hmm. weird. Huh. I guess understeering cart was good for my like confidence and stuff. So I like pushed it, but it was still slow because it had no grip. And the next session, I got a new cart, new tires, I spun at the first corner, spun at like the next corner after that, but eventually set a faster lap time. And I'm like, and I was, mm. okay, I got some thinking to do yeah. <laughs> yeah. who I am as a person and what do I do in a cart? <laughs> right, right. You, you got to reevaluate your life choices. <laughs> but, and then, so, you know, when you're reading reviews about or, or going for ride-alongs and talking with people, it's, I think, it's very helpful, um, but also take what people say with a with a grain of salt. Um, big grain of salt. Right. Big grain of salt. Talk to the manufacturers, right? We always well, talk too. to the people. And take what manufacturers say with a grain of salt, too. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, it depends on, you know, the driver's experience. What have they have they ridden on a lot of coilovers or like this is their first coilover and they love it, but, you know, they don't really do anything with it. Right. And then you see, you know, they put it up for sale six months later because actually they hated it. Um, right. So, you know, listen to people, but also listen to what they're actually saying and not saying a clear mind, like go, go into everything with basically really putting a high priority on what your experience is. Yeah. It is really important with suspension and take notes. notes. Yeah. Yeah. Take, take notes is especially when you're trying to figure something out, the more notes, the more details that you have is just, is it paints that picture. It gets you back into that mindset at that point, you know, cause it's like, okay, I'm trying to whittle down the suspension. And yeah, I was like, I was, everything was going well. And then all of a sudden, like, it just like the suspension got terrible. Yeah. Like, what happened? Well, I mean, I did get that new set of tires. Yeah. Oh, well, okay. Well, maybe like your, your old set of tires was like totally toast. And you're, you're trying to set up your suspension for this like 10 year old set of R compounds that your buddy gave to you. <laughs> and, and now you get a new set of like these 200 treadwear tires. <laughs> and now you've got way more grip. And now all of a sudden, every, all the work that you've done to that point, it's different. Well, it's, it's totally different. That's why the car feels bad. It's like the more details that you have as far as everything that's going on with the car and the changes that you've made, you can, you can whittle it down. You can be scientific. There, there, you really, we've talked about a lot of black magic, but there really is a lot of benefits to a scientific approach to this thing and quantifying the changes, keeping the changes minimal, seeing what each small change makes, and then just try and make a lot of small changes to build into a big change versus a big change like one big sweeping change to try and get the car where you want it to be. Yeah. One thing I like about um, you know, the, the Savage Geese uh, YouTube channel, um, in some of their reviews, they talk about ride quality and they they make a note about how, um, this is why I mentioned it when I, before and I was talking about notes, um, 
you know, they live in I don't know, Illinois, I think, um, yeah. and it gets butt ass cold there. And the ride quality mm-hmm. sometimes is noticeably worse on cars when it's um, 10 degrees out. Um, and so in your notes, maybe put down what the temperature is because mm-hmm. your settings might change yeah. whether it's 90 degrees versus 10 degrees. Um, that, that does have an effect. So, I mean, I like that they note that. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, and uh, I think I think that note-taking and, um, you know, some of the stuff I've been getting into is more like um, some of the data acquisition side of stuff and, and simulations and modeling and stuff like that, which is super useful. But at, at the end of the day, you still have to remember that um, just the variation between driver to driver is going to, is going to, shift yeah. things in certain directions and yeah. i think that the, the circle back all around here it's basically you know when you're looking at the suspension is what you know what are your priorities right yeah. it's you know you might not need a two-way adjustable coral over if, if you just want to do track days and focus on on yourself and just out there having fun you know a, this a, a, a standard fixed shock or, or fixed damping yeah. coral group might suit you well and then once yeah. you progress to that or or you know um attains that level or you can drive outperform that shock maybe it's time to move up after that but but in yeah. most cases you know it, it would it would take somebody a while or a good couple of years of track days to, to get to that point because there's so many variables sometimes less variables is better absolutely and, and that's that again like that's why i picked the, the struts that i did because they're one-way adjustables like i just want to have one knob to adjust and know what that is and if, 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 and when I get to the point where I've outgrown that and I realize like, okay, I really need, I really need to be able to control the compression behavior, which I don't have control of, yeah. then, then that's where you look at it moving on to another suspension. But I know that I'm not there and I, I don't want to introduce that variable because like, what if, what if, uh, you know, something happened, like the, I sent this straight out to get rebuilt the front starts out to get rebuilt and there's like some variance in, in the settings and I just put them on the car, but I forgot to actually check where the damping settings were. And like, now the car's weird, right. you know, like, or, yeah. or just some, any, any amount of other possible variables that could come into play there that I just don't want to go down that road yet. I don't want to, I just, I just don't want to mess with that yet. I want to basically get, get comfortable at this level. And, and yeah, maybe that's as good a point as any is you, the suspension might actually have to grow with you. At yeah, some right. point down the road, the more that the more that you drive the car, the more that you use the car. Right. Yeah. And how your uses change. You know, if you start mm-hmm. um, doing time attack instead of just track days, um, sometimes and like you know conditions might be different. Yeah. Uh, it can make sense to have a little bit more adjustment. Um, but if you know you're just having some some weekend track time, mm-hmm. um, it, it doesn't really matter. I guess right. if it, you know it could, it could be helpful um, if you're trying to get every last bit out. But um, yeah. Yeah. Having fun might not be going fast, and going fast might not be actually having as much fun. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Very things, cool. things to consider when you spend thousands of dollars. Right? <laughs> there's, there's a lot going on there for sure. But yeah. uh, that's why I wanted to bring you guys on and have a conversation. And it's funny when I was talking to Drew about setting this up. I was like, well, I want to talk about valving and maybe anything else. And he's like, no, we should just talk about valving. And here it is, like an hour and a half, and all we've touched on really is valving by and large. Yeah. Like. That was a good call, Drew. Good yeah, call. Well, deep, I, deep topic, digressive. and there's so much stuff still that we haven't even talked about. Yeah, mm. well, digressive shocks, good stuff, but make sure the forces are right. Yeah, yeah. that's the short version. <laughs> Quality is is key there, and and like the the development that went into that, it it doesn't matter that it's just digressive. It has to be a total package. One one last analogy. I saw yeah. uh, I read it was a tweet or an Instagram post, but it was 
this guy, it's like, but it was like a before and after he bought some like super expensive, like Kobe beef. And he's like, going to try cooking up some steaks. And he like, and the after picture was this like dried husk of like crappy <laughs> meat and like some ketchup on the side. And he's like, I think they turned out pretty good. And I was just like, no man. And then like, it just yeah. reminded me of like, that is like very, you know, well-marketed digressive shocks that are like not done right. And um, doesn't matter if they're, you know, Bilstein pistons or Swedish shims or Japanese Kobe beef, it, yeah. you got to do it right. And yeah. you, know, you could have great components, but the, the getting the forces right or the temperature, right. And, and really the application. Important. Yeah. And the yeah. application. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do not need top of the line, $10,000 digressive coilovers on my minivan. <laughs> I, I don't think my wife or my kids would like it at all. That is not the right application for it. You, you might just set the fastest time if I speak next time. You never know. Right? That's true. I, I, and I might actually be divorced by that point. <laughs> like, I'm not getting in this car one more time. But they're digressive. They're digressive. You don't understand. I can ride these bumps at 100 miles per hour, babe. You won't That's right. It. That's right. Oh, man. Yeah, try and do that and, and see how long I, I stay married. I, I don't think it'd be very long. So. <laughs> cool. Well, guys, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Always bring you guys on. It's a good conversation. Um, really enjoyed it. And to everybody that's listened, hopefully this was helpful and, and informational and you enjoyed it. Thanks for your support as always. And until yeah. next time, stay tuned with Flatirons Tuning. See you guys. Thank you. Thanks everyone for tuning in to the Flatiron Syndicate Motorsports Podcast. Once again, we'd like to let you know that your support is what makes this show possible. Be sure to check out our online store at flatironstuning.com for any of your aftermarket or OEM Subaru parts needs. And as always, stay tuned with Flatirons Tuning.